everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. My name is Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety, anxiety treatment and all that stuff. So um, I hope everybody out there is doing well. Um, I, I clearly am um, uh, distracted today, so I'm going to do my best to try to power through some of these uh, questions for you all. So if you're new to the podcast, the uh, the FearCast is a question and answer based podcast where you get to send in your own questions about OCD and anxiety and phobias and all that stuff. And uh, I will answer them on a future episode just like this. So um, if you would like your question answered, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can send me a question by clicking on the submit a question link. You can also ask me a question over at uh, Instagram. So I'm fearcastpodcast at Instagram, and uh, I'm more than happy to uh, hear hear your questions over there, hear them online via, uh, via email. That would be great. Um, I've said this before that if I am, um, well, if you would like your question kind of boosted up to the top or the front of the line, you can send me an audio question so you can record your question into somehow into your phone recorded in the voice memo or whatever you want to do to record your audio and you can upload it to uh, Google Drive, send me the link and I will get it. Uh, you can also email it to me over questions at fearcastpodcast.com, but I'm just going to leave all of that up to you. So uh, if you're watching me on YouTube, uh, thank you so much for joining me via via the YouTubes. So sorry you have to see what this looks like. You have to see my confused face sometimes or the weird things that I do with my face or my eyeballs. And I, I don't know. You chose to be here. So here we are. Anyhow, so we're going to go through a couple of questions. And um, uh, let's begin. So this first question comes from Nervous N. They said, hi, Kevin. I really enjoyed your podcast and find. Uh, or it says, I, I, yeah, they said enjoyed. Past tense. So sorry, Nervous N. Hopefully we can make that present tense, I guess. I really enjoy... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for them. I really enjoy your podcast and found the content very useful. Uh, I recently started ERP therapy and was diagnosed with OCD in December after having a, quote, anxiety attack, uh, which was more like an OCD attack. Um, I have SO OCD, so that's sexual orientation OCD, formerly known as HOCD. Um, and it really felt kind of traumatizing. Um, I'm married and much of my anxiety has been a, a, about having one day to break my husband's heart and live without him. It sucks. Anyways, I feel lucky that with a new med in time, my physical anxiety has gone down uh, and a lot, uh, as have a lot of my compulsions. At one point in time, I was realizing that I couldn't Google any, anything new, so it was just starting to be a waste of my time, uh, even as a compulsion. So they said the question part. I'm in the beginning stages of my hierarchy, and, I've kind of, and I'm kind of struggling with how to do it. Um, I really like my therapist, and she has done, uh, or and, and she does a good job to giving direction. But I'm having a hard time grasping the concept of quote just be, or to quote recognize the thought or the feeling and move on. Uh, she goes on to say, I feel like my brain just can't figure out what to do. That's going to be the first part. Um, Oh, here we go. Um, I know that some people uh, don't do maybe or maybe not statements or jump right into the I am or I will statements. 
I've gotten to the point where I'm past maybe, maybe not, um, at the point that, uh, and at the point that I am or I will statements. It does give me some anxiety, but I do also catch myself looking for feelings or sensations or ruminating on thoughts. Sometimes I sit and start to uh, sit and stare at my cards uh, for a few seconds, um, and then other times I will blow through the cards and, uh, w- after making the statement. Um, I assume what this means is they have various cards with their specific fears on them. I assume that uh, what uh, Nervous N is doing is that reading through each of their specific fears and uh, saying either you know maybe yes, maybe no. Next card, maybe yes, maybe no. So kind of sitting in the ambig- ambiguity of the idea. So. Moving on, um, they say, uh, what would you say is the best way to explain to someone how they're supposed to be responding in anxiety or responding in exposures? Should I still be using, quote, maybe or maybe not in my head um, and when my brain starts to ruminate? Or do I just, uh, do I just quote, be and move on? And if so, what does that even sound like or look like? Uh, thank you so much. So, uh, Nervous N, um, thank you for sending in that question. Let me get that word file out of the way. So, thank you so much for your question. It's um, it, it, it's tough to try to figure out exactly what, what to do or what you want to do or how to move forward in treatment. So, I'll say this. Every therapist is a little bit different in how they proceed through their hierarchy. So they'll, and even I will be different in working with one person over another in, in specifically where I start, how fast we get into it, the types of things we're going to do in it. It's not as cookie cutter as, uh, as perhaps you're, you're thinking it, it is or should be. But it's to, but remember that sometimes they're, they're going to be a little bit different. So, um, uh, so also I'll say this, all of these questions are great questions to bring up with your therapist. Um, obviously, it sounds like you're worried that your therapist is not explaining everything well or correctly or fully, but that these would all be great, great, great questions to bring up with them. So um, one thing that I would say, and the, the, the thing that's just jumping out of my mind first is we're probably not going to do treatment perfectly. There is no perfect treatment or perfect arc of therapy or perfect end result of therapy and perfect methodologies all throughout the process. It's going to be different and it's going to be, by definition, imperfect. What I'm hearing in your question over and over again is, how do I do it right? How do I do it perfectly? And kind of underneath that, I'm assuming it's, how do I do it right so that I know I'll recover from this? How do I do this right so that I can get out of feeling uncertain and out of this doubt and out of having to feel this terrible stuff yet again? It's a natural question. And I totally get that that worry that you or that that idea that you you want to be done with it. I, I want you to be done with it too. However, sit with sit with the in that uncertainty it's i i don't know that you might not know how to best do it so to that question then about what to do or you don't know how to figure out or you don't know quite how to um what what did you say i feel like my brain can't figure out what to do i think that may be the problem is that you're trying to figure out what to do as if that there is this right thing to do there's an action to do or there's an action to take 
willing to bet with some of the obsessions that you're having that that's, that's what your anxiety is trying to do with it too. It says, here's this thought, now there's, now there's a response that you have to have. Now, I, I, I get that. It feels like, I mean, first off, that, that's going to be a natural thing that you and I do, that our, our brain sometimes was going to jump to a conclusion, jump to an answer, jump to a, an assumption or a belief about it. But w- what we want to try to do in the process is to sit back and to not overlay it intentionally with a meaning, to just simply observe how our brain jumps to that conclusion and jumps to that statement. And not to say that it's right, or not to say that that statement that your brain is making about it is a fact, but that notice that it's jumping there. Notice that that's the secondary thought that popped up into your head. So as you're going through those cards, let's say the thought is um, you're going to get sick. I don't know. So we can sit there and say, maybe I will, maybe I'm not, right? I mean, the reality is we're all going to get sick, to go with this example, right? But if it says, well, maybe to sit with, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, it's, it's to maybe to sit with, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, what it's going to be, what it's, what, what's going to happen to me, all of that. But to not do anything about the, the thought is to notice just where your brain goes, to point out what the follow-up thoughts are. What are the other things that are kind of creeping in? And how can we just simply let them creep out of our mind without having to follow it down the rabbit trail or without having tried to grab onto that thought that popped in and to crush it or to get the answer to it? If it says, maybe it's going to be bad, you go, well, how bad? How do I prevent it from being bad? Is there a thing I should take? Who should I call? Is there an article I should read to make sure it doesn't happen? Right? So, Oh, that that's kind of that planning that sometimes happens through compulsions. Now it might be you know maybe maybe a, what if I'm a what if I'm a pedophile? What if I'm gay? What if I'm gonna kill my spouse? I don't know, right? But all these questions is oh no, what do I do with this? So to do nothing with it is just to simply observe the thoughts and the feelings and the sensations and the mental stories that pop up through your mind. You could also question in this, or it also may be important to think about, well, what is, what is at stake here? Um, what, what is going to be the, the well, you, you said here that you're, let's see if I can find it again, um, that, that you're worried that someday you're going to have to break your husband's heart. Okay. Maybe. But we don't know. That's so far in the future. In terms of doing nothing about it right now, I guess the question would be, are, are you going to break his heart Like right now? Do you want to break his heart? Are you planning on breaking his heart right now? Do you find need to break, your, break his heart right now? You'd probably say no. Then there's nothing that needs to be done. But then your brain might say, yeah, but what if there, what if there might be? What if there will be something? That's the future. So sit there and notice where your brain goes. Describe it to yourself. Describe it to yourself like you're trying to describe it to me, like you're trying to describe it to somebody else in this objective way of trying to follow it through, follow down the path uh, of being an observer. You're you're a scientist right now. What's the thought? How is it working? So that you can then report it. Not that you need to overlay good or bad or right or wrong, but just that it is. It is there. There is that thought. Similar, so you can do this here. Visually, if you're seeing me, I'm wearing a, a green sweater. So you can observe that. You can notice that and simply say, Kevin has a green sweater on. Now, there's, there isn't anything that needs to be done about my green sweater. It's, it's a fact. Right now, I have this green sweater on. Whether you like it, 
whether you don't, whether you whether you think I should be in something different or not, whether you you want to go out and buy one or burn one, I don't know. But the reality is, is that I, I have this on. You can observe the fact that I have this on. It doesn't mean that you then need to go down the, the, the thought process of trying to answer it, uncover it, trying to turn it into something else, trying to, you know, if, it's, if the thought is, it, it's a bad sweater and he should die. I don't know if that's the thought. Well, there's your thought, but there's nothing that needs to be done about it. It sounds like you have this pattern of trying to do more with this, and ultimately your goal is to try to do less with it. Practice just observing observing and describing. So it's trying to so it's it's being in the reality of that thought and then moving on to whatever that next thing is. Being open to the next thought. And the next thought might be your awareness that you just had that thought and your awareness that you just had that other thought. But that's okay. But you don't need to turn those into anything else or draw any conclusions from it effortfully. But just simply go with your go with those thoughts. Where does it go? And that's what it means to just be with it, is to let it go. You also say here, I'm, I'm going to read it again. You say, I, I also catch myself looking for feelings or sensations or ruminations on those thoughts. What are you looking for? Are you looking for answers? Are you looking to understand it? Are you looking to try to control it in some sort of way? You can use the non-engagement responses. I know I've talked about these a lot, but the non-engagement responses might be just a, a pointing out to yourself that it's happening. Hey, I, I notice my brain wants to really find this, find an answer to it. You might describe the urge. I really want to get to an answer. Yeah, you have that urge. I really want to get there. You do. So acknowledge that there's that feeling, but it doesn't mean that you then need to go down and try to find the feeling. If you get the feeling, point out the feeling. I feel sad, happy, mad, angry, hungry, whatever the feeling is. Yes, in that, in that moment you do, but that in that moment it doesn't mean that you need to take action or do anything about it. It's just the observation of it and the acceptance that we get weird thoughts and feelings and sensations and mental images. We do. I do. You do. We all do. Let them be there and let them pass through. So... Nervous and I hope that was helpful for you. Hope it wasn't too meandering, but uh, but practice some of that. And also, again, if there are the, if there are those questions, so twofold. If there are those questions, absolutely bring them up with your therapist. But also, if you keep asking the same question, it doesn't feel like it's clicking. And you've and I assume you've asked a couple of people. You asked me. You asked your therapist. I assume there's more people in there. Except that you may be at that place where you're trying to figure out how to do it right. In which case, you might need to sit with that 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 possibility that what if I don't do it right? This is that secondary obsession. Well, then what does it mean for me? But that's something that I would encourage you to process with your therapist. So this next question comes from Julia. Julia says, Hi, Kevin, send you this question all the way from Sweden. I am 22 years old, and I think I've been suffering with ROCD for about a year now. I've been together with my boyfriend for about three and a half years, and during the last, time, or during the last year, I've experienced uh, that lovey-dovey period um, or, that, or I've, I've, what is it? And during that last year, I've experienced that my lovey-dovey period is about over. Um, this has made me extremely anxious and unsure about my true feelings for him. Uh, our relationship is overall great, and I believe that I love him. 
but I've become obsessed over finding evidence for my love and seeking reassurance constantly. That's in all caps. The, more, uh, the, the most awful and terrible thought is that I get, um, the most awful and terrible thought that I get is, uh, is there a reason for me feeling this way? This podcast has, me, uh, has made me feel much calmer, but I just keep wondering, um, is this really what I'm experiencing? Am I, uh, and I'm also terrified that this, that this anxiety is going to destroy my feelings for my boyfriend in our relationship because the thoughts can be so convincing. I suppose that they put a period in there, but I feel like that's just a continuation. Uh, destroy my feelings of my boyfriend and our relationship because the thoughts are so convincing. That makes more sense. I should probably edit these before I put them up. And yet here we are. Um, I hope my message isn't too long. Thanks for the podcast. All right, Julia. So thank you so much for sending that, that one in. So, Julia, I think that you, you may need to trust yourself on this one. You know, do you know what that means in this? You may need to trust that perhaps you know what's going on here. You know that you, you might be experiencing ROCD. After all, you sent me a question. You didn't send a question into a relationship advice podcast, I assume. At least you sent one to me, which m suggests to me that perhaps you know that this is this anxiety cycle. Remember, with, with all anxiety, what we're looking for is the anxiety cycle. And more, more to the point, what is the compulsion that you're doing? The compulsion is going to be the main problem here in terms of how the anxiety cycle works. We've talked about before that you know everything out there can be an uh, it can be a trigger, right? You can have internal triggers, you can have external triggers. The problem with relationships is that we are married to or we are living with or we are dating our trigger, our partner. So we see them, we have we see them and it triggers this this obsessive thought, what if blank? Or if blank then blank. So, what if this were to happen? Ugh, I don't like that to happen. Triggers this anxiety. So this anxiety is there. Well, now what do I get rid of? What can I do to get rid of this anxiety or make sure that this story never happens? Okay, once I've done this thing or stopped doing this thing or avoided that thing or got reassurance for that, for that other thing. Oh, okay, good. I got this reassurance. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel confident again. I feel, I, I feel better, right? But your brain goes... But are you sure? But what if you didn't fully understand it? What if you didn't check right? Well, how about now? The cycle's never ending because there's always going to be a question. There's always going to be a doubt. What's also happening here is that you are, if you're, you're, you're glorifying this obsessive thought by continuing to go through the question, or continue to go through the compulsion, rather, in, in getting that. It's a self-reinforcing cycle that unfortunately never ends. What our job is through exposure and response prevention is to take this compulsion and pull it out as much as we can because then we're not going to get the uh, reinforcement. We're also not going to get the reassurance, but then we're stuck feeling that feeling and the presence of that thought. But as we previously talked about, our goal is to also do nothing about this, but is instead to go forward and do the thing that you and I ultimately choose to do. What's more important to us, carry on with our life in the best way that we can possibly do that. So what can you do here then? I'm going to just briefly go over this. So let's take a look at that compulsion. You said, I've become obsessed over finding evidence for my love and seeking reassurance constantly. What happens for you if you don't get that reassurance? What happens for you if you don't get, uh, if you don't find evidence for the love? And also, how, how would you know you would have found it? The feeling? 
the feeling changes. The feelings are going to fluctuate. One of the realities about love is that it's not, it, it's not constant. It's not stable. And, that, and what I talked about there is the feeling of love. You talked about it as the lovey-dovey feeling. And, and uh, yes, I agree with you. That is the term that I will use a lot. When you get the feelings, the lovey-dovey feelings, and they feel great. And when you get them, they're wonderful, they're awesome, they're delightful. However, sometimes we don't get them. And sometimes, it, which is a natural process, that kind of high that we get at the very beginning of a relationship kind of goes and goes and goes, and then it starts to kind of taper off in terms of the lovey-doveyness, right? So that's kind of that oxytocin that our brain produces that feels really, really good and then starts to kind of, kind of trail off. Now, typically this happens around six months into a relationship. So what I wonder for you is, well, what is the lovey-dovey feeling that you're talking about? How do you know you have it? When do you get it? Is there a pattern to it? Now, part of the problem with doing this is that, by definition, or in look, when we look for something, we then are out of the feeling of having it. So if you're trying to look for the lovey-dovey feeling, it's hard to like have the feeling and to be analyzing it at the same time, because then we're kind of observing the feeling, which is then not experiencing the feeling, because we're distracting ourselves with the thought process, which is also what I think you're ultimately doing. By constantly looking for whether or not you're in the lovey-dovey feeling, then you're, you're not allowing yourself to feel a lovey-dovey feeling. You're just in this, this questioning and this, this anxiety of, of, I have to have this, I have to get it, because if I don't get it, which means to the next point is, what happens, and this is not to say this is what's going to happen to you, but what happens if this is the end of the relationship? What is the fear for you? Is it that you're going to miss out on the relationship forever? Is it that you're not going to be in a happy relationship ever again? Is it that you're never going to find anybody? Is it that this is the guy and you have lost it? I don't know. I wonder what it is for you if you were to think about what the biggest fear is. Why is this so important for you? What is it that you're going to be missing out on if you either don't have the lovey-dovey feeling for him or if you don't have the lovey-dovey feeling again? Or if you don't maintain that lovey-dovey feeling forever, right? If it, if it fluctuates, or if it's, if it's down most of the time, is it that it's a lost, lost relationship? It's a bad relationship? It's that you're never going to be happy? I, I don't know. But that would be something worth challenging or worth considering with your therapist in trying to pull this apart for you. What is at stake by not doing your compulsion? If you think about your compulsion then as trying to keep you safe from that, well, if you don't, don't do that, you're at the risk of this, right? But then there's a lot of assumptions that go on into this story. It's a lot of, a lot of beliefs, right? All right, if, I, if this is the wrong relationship, well, then I'm, I'm going to be out of this relationship, and then I'll never find someone I'm happy with, and then I'm just going to constantly be, maybe be looking for someone that I'm never going that, that, that to, to, feel, to fulfill me, to make me happy, to make me feel loved, and that's never going to happen. I'm going to just live forever and, and, or live until I die and constantly looking for somebody. I don't know. I'm, I'm making stuff up over here. But is that your worry that you missed out on the one? I, I don't know. But there are a lot of assumption, assumptions in there that you're jumping to conclusions on or kind of buying into. I'm willing to bet if you were to sit down and kind of look at some of those assumptions, you'd probably be able to talk yourself out of that, that story, that worry about what's, what's going to happen. Like, for example, is it that if you're out of this relationship, how are you certain that you're never going to find another relationship that's good or great or better? 
one, you can't. I'll just answer that. You can't. But there's this, I, I tend to think there's this belief that if you were to fall out of this relationship, that's my, what might happen. We, we don't know. Julia, one thing that I would encourage you to do, to challenge you to do, uh, is to is is to see how long you can go without the intentional reassurance seeking. How long do you think you can go? And how can you continue to stay focused on and engaged with the relationship in positive, meaningful ways? Think you can go a day? Can you go an hour? Can you go a week? Think about how long you can go. And I want to see if, I want you to see if, if, that, if that reassurance seeking or that, that attempt to find evidence is actually maintaining the relationship or if you're actually more engaged and more focused in and more connected and more open to the lovey-dovey feeling when you resist the effort to try to find the evidence. It sounds kind of backwards, and I suppose it kind of is, is that I, I, I wonder if in this, in this experiment, that if you don't look for evidence, I wonder if that's when evidence will show up. And by the way, you might not. You might not get like the evidence that is going to satisfy your anxiety. And by the way, I don't think you're going to find evidence that's going to satisfy your anxiety, that's going to give you unequivocal um, uh, reassurance that you love this person and that they're and that it's it's magical it's a magical relationship i don't think you're going to find that but i'm willing to bet that you'll find that you're more connected in this relationship when you pull back on this so i know we've kind of gone all over this or to different things but if this isn't something you've you've done with a therapist or talked to a therapist about i'd encourage you to look into it um but but again as as a as a start, pulling back on some of the 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 compulsive search and reassurance seeking, and see what effect that has on the dynamic of the relationship. And I'm willing to bet it it'll probably help. At the very least, it'll free you up to being present in the relationship. So, Julia, uh, I hope this was helpful, and um, I, I really do appreciate you uh, you listening to the podcast. So, uh, if I'll say this to uh, everybody at the tail end of the uh, podcast today. Uh, if you have other feedback that you'd like to add, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can send me a message over there and tell me what, um, tell, uh, tell Julia or, um, or, or Nervous N what you would do, what you think they should do. What are some suggestions that you might recommend? Uh, if you have any feedback for this uh, episode, feel free to let me know over at Fearcast Podcast, or you can certainly let me know in the comments section below. But um, please remember, everybody, that the Fearcast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about treatment and are looking for a little bit of guidance uh, in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. Go to the uh, uh, Find Help link, and there's going to be some resources there for you. So uh, as, as, uh, as always, everybody, uh, until next time, take a risk challenge yourself and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.